Welcome to Probably Science. My name's Andy Wood. I'm Matt Kirshen. Yes, you are. We are joined. It's a returning guest. I'm re- I'm back. Last, although a new guest to this location, you last taped way back when we were in Bluebell. Oh yes, you I'm, haven't been here before. I'm here for the first time. You are. That is the dulcet tones of Mr. Mike Kaplan. Uh, thank you. I I don't I don't get called dulcet that much. Really? I mean, you don't hear. Is any or anything other than tones ever dulcet? Follow, yeah, you never get. Oh, he's got a really dulcet face. Yeah, <laughs> in some words, it only go. It's like uh, gall. You never yeah. hear about gall. That's anything but next to a bladder. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I was going to say unmitigated. Yeah, but uh, is that a thing everyone else knows? Unmitigated gall, or is oh, that some? I definitely regional? do. Okay. But uh, yeah, I don't mean to mitigate your gall. Yeah, but no one has mitigated gall ever. It's never. I I like this. The same thing happened last time. Mike was on the show. That within seconds, we're into wordplay. And- oh. Here's the thing, a, a, new, a new joke I've been working on, because I am a different person than I once was, as we all are. I, I'm saying things that are true of everyone. But uh, sometimes, like, do you guys know Ramin Nazer? Yes. Ramin, a wonderful comedian and artist. Polymath? Uh, oh, yeah. He's a poly- polymath and science and uh, linguist. Uh, creates these beautiful, like, philosophical, visual images. Uh, and they're, they're like, you know, beautiful cartoons. And one of them is, like, a guy who's, like, shaped like a... He's shaped like a regular version, and then he's, like, rainbow-colored. His whole body is, like, made of, like, rainbow layers. Like, every different color, multiple times. And then the cartoon is somebody sees him and is like, Hey, you're that blue guy, right? Uh, and that that's the way that I feel sometimes when people are like, hey, you're that wordplay comedian, right? And I'm like, I think you have me mistaken for one large facet of myself. I think you have me mistaken for about 83% of me. I'm also math and nitpicking. <laughs> also statistics. Yeah. Uh, so yes, I, I like to say that we're having fun. I like I like fun. I like play. And sometimes when the play comes out in words, that's that's, okay. that's one way. That's one way for play to be. I, yeah, no one needs to pigeonhole someone just because they can play with words. Yes, and pigeons, they're never not in <laughs> they're holes. Not even holes. They're, they fly they're around, just, they're walking. <laughs> yeah, why do we always pigeonhole pigeons? Yeah, that, man, that that's the Let's thing. not call that word play. Let's just call that pigeon play. <laughs> yeah. Hole play. Let's not word hole this pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So <laughs> okay, great to be back here for the first time. Excellent to have you returning, never before. Uh, should we should we just jump straight into stories? Because sure. we did all the we did all the preamble stuff with Mike last time. We did a found oh, out yeah. about your science background and all that. And then we lost half an episode and we had to recover it. You remember that? I don't even. I didn't know that was one of the ones we lost. I do. Ah. That was one of the things that prompted us to get the backup recorder. Oh, we we, we recovered it through. We didn't, no, we we, we had to recreate through did memory. Did we try to redo and jokes? I don't think we did re-redid jokes. I think we just sort of jumped back a bit and redid the stories and came up with different takes on them. Oh. I totally forgot that. I also did, if I ever knew it. I know we did that for, um, who else? Dominic Harris? Did well, that was a... Losing, losing the entire episode? That was a full redo. Oh. That was it's the not, one, that was the one lost the, uh, episode. That was the... Yeah. But right now, fear not. No, here, here we, we are. We are not going to lose shit. Capturing everything. Two zooms. We got double have it. zooming happening. Yeah, zoom zoom. zoom That's zoom, all I want to do. <laughs> and a boom boom. Yeah, I want. I guess we would need three zooms to do everything that I want to do. <laughs> zoom a zoom zoom zoom. Four zooms. Oh, zoom a zoom 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 zoom. So and yeah, boom boom. Four. It's well, a ratio of four to two. It's a two, two to one. Zoom two is fine. Yeah. So we just need as long as we get one so boom, the recipe will will carry. <laughs> 
What was the song that just had that exact meter to it, but it wasn't that song? Oh, I don't know. It happens. It did, but it was like very blatant. I'm like, how come no one else hears Rump Shaker when this song plays? I don't know the original song you're referencing. Uh, you don't know about Just Shake Your Rump? No. No. <laughs> it's probably 1994. Do you know about the concept of shaking Rumping, one's rump? Rump shaking. No, I think most people in Britain have static rumps. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> static rumps. You gotta conserve the calories that you would be burning shaking that rump uh, for the cold cold winters. Or That's something. true, yeah. We store most of our survival, winter survival fat in our rumps. Mm. In in the grand scheme of things, though, the planet is moving around the sun and the gala, you know, the, the solar system is, oh, everything is moving. So is, rump is, is yeah, it's, it's only relatively static. It is. But, you know, I'm talking within our sort of gravitational frame of reference, our rumps say, yeah. are. If our, it's, if our rumps were accelerating, you couldn't, but the fact that we're all, that the velocity of all of our rumps is consistent relative to each other's rumps they're, they're not really I mean yes you could argue all of our rumps are shaking but equally still they aren't shaking I, yeah. I would say mostly though relative to our torsos and or hips our rumps are somewhat immobile that makes sense or, or immobile okay sure. I accept I, I would I, maybe I'm wrong maybe oh no if, if we have British listeners whose rumps are moving at, as we speak <laughs> mm-hmm. do you think it's right like, in I mean it must be if it's because it's not like they're genetically British necessarily it's more of a nurture thing you would think so I'd if, say so yes if you're British and raised here what is your just write in with what your rump is doing if <laughs> if you're British or living in England and not British like you if know can a, you a recent migrant like a refugee coming to England has your rump slowed its shaking yeah, can now you pick it up? Residents. Or is that a generational thing? Your right, rump your will kids, move like nobody's, but your kids', your kids rumps, rumps will. will. <laughs> their own and that'll be a weird rump. thing between the two of you, where, you know, obviously you have family and you love each other, and you're, but there is that weird gener- generational divide where you're like, my kids' rumps don't move like mine does. And when those kids become stand-up comics, their whole first hour will be about how differently their rump is from yeah. their parents' rump. They'll do impressions of their parents' This is my shaking. mom's rump, <laughs> and then they do it, yeah. Like a Margaret Show type situation, yeah. 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 So yeah, British listeners, look at, my, look at her rump. Look at her rump move. <laughs> look at it wobble. Man, for somebody who doesn't know that song, you you definitely know I your rump he, stuff. He does understand yeah. rump shaking. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you guys. So science, science. Where were we going with that? I don't know. I I I, I want to uh, jump into us because this is rump related. This is oh. in the show notes. You didn't know we were going to cover this story, Andy. I've I just didn't. found it as it. a link from another. Oh, and I'm just putting it at the very top of the document there. Not one flushable wet wipe tested so far has passed water industry tests. Ah, oh, goddammit. Uh, tests for what? Of flushability. Oh, I see. Every wet wipe sold as flushable in the UK. So this is a UK rump-specific story. Wow. Has so far failed the water industry's disintegration tests. Ah, that's not good. According to this BBC article, water companies say wet wipes don't break down and are causing blockages which cost millions to put right. Manufacturers insist their test is adequate and say sewer, sewer blockages are caused by people putting non-flushable wipes down the toilet. This seems like it's very solvable. Not solvable, but like provable or disprovable. It even does. Even just at home. Like, not, not in today's day and age. I guess not. Yeah, the <laughs> jury is still out. Right, so the people who are selling the product say that there's no problem. <laughs> and the people who have to solve the problem say that there is a problem. How can we decide in an objective way? You know, there are, good, there are good people on both sides. There are, it's... Uh, it's really a wash. It's not a wash, yeah, unfortunately. No, That's the problem. It costs too much to do the wash. Yeah, this is a... Uh, uh, I think I've seen signs uh, whenever there are 
places people congregate, like even festivals where there's porta potties, everyone's like, don't put your fucking baby wipes even in the porta potties because yeah. they're going to clog something up eventually when we pump them out. So. so the sticking point, according to this article, comes over what counts as flushable. Wet wipes will flush. In the most literal sense, in that they They'll will leave your toilet. They will leave your toilet. <laughs> yeah. it, it's so, good, that, that's good enough for me. <laughs> Many things will flush. <laughs> uh, wet wipes are behind up to eighty percent of blockages in UK sewers. No. A key element of the infamous giant obstacles known as fatbergs, according to water companies. Wait, they what say, do they call them? Fatbergs, fat as in like an iceberg but made of fat. Oh God! Okay. It costs a hundred million a year to deal with them. 80% of them are from the wipes. Yep, skips full of wipes are caught by the filters at water treatment works and end up in landfill. From their treatment sites across the northwest, uh, United Utilities collect around 12,000 tons of wipes and other rubbish every year. Uh, Tony Griffiths from that company says it's extremely frustrating. The amount of money they get spent on dealing with blockages and disposing of this material could be reinvested in our aging infrastructure. If we're not actually spending all this money, we could work to reduce customer bills. Good, good PR game there. <laughs> Tony Griffiths from United Utilities turning it back to money for the customer. I don't use wipes so much. Like every once in a while, I've I've been in a place where they have them. But like, what is if you're if they're not flushable? Do you you're meant to just throw them in the garbage? Yeah, yes. I think so. So that, in that case, they do end up in landfills anyway. But at least they're not blocking out the pipes. Yeah, it's because there are people who the middleman of them and dig them out of the. Yeah, that's better. Because there are people who. Our, our good friend and erstwhile co-host Jesse Case needs wipes on account of his well, I mean, Aurora everyone, plumbing back there. Everyone would prefer that, I think, as an experience. That's why they're starting to get more popular. Or but, like, what about bidets? Wouldn't that would that solve a lot of people's problems? I mean, some people yes. might be immobile and need to bring the wipe to them as opposed to bringing themselves to the bidet. As a former bidet, uh, not enthusiast, but let's just say practitioner. Connoisseur? The, for sure. Yeah, you uh, moved apartments and suddenly the water pressure was too great, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I got, I got one of those cheap, um, you know, because you can get like purely mechanical ones that just run on the pressure of water that are 20 or 30 bucks on Amazon. And I was like, okay, you sort I'll of, try. You loop them into the plumbing of the toilet. Yeah, because, you know, they're, they're like trends where suddenly you see a certain kind of product being advertised to you a lot on social media. Or was like, like, why are mattresses suddenly on every podcast? Like, why why were there, you know, new ways to clean your ass all over Facebook? Like, there's a company called Tushy that was advertised. I, I wish there was... You know, every so often, I'll put out a sort of silly but troll, semi-trolling tweet and just about a, a month ago, just put out, like, I wish there was a way to buy mattresses on the internet. <laughs> oh, sure. And it's got a surprising number of... No. Okay. Yeah, like a remarkable number of... Actually, actually... Oh, my God. It's... I mean... Everyone learns different things at different times, like, you know, tones and jokes, <laughs> and about maybe they had just found out about the mattresses. Yeah, and maybe they don't listen to podcasts. And they, yeah, yeah. I, I only, I heard a few years back, maybe like five, five years ago, I heard it's only like 15% of Americans listen to podcasts, and so now it's, I'm sure it's still less than half. Right. Oh, yeah, I think it's still around 15. I don't think it's really changed. Though much. I wonder what the percentage of people who are on Twitter and don't listen to podcasts, because if you're online, you know, it, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of research but to be done. Even without podcasts, there are multiple web pages now. I get regular pop-up ads and well, yeah, I see a article lot of ads for numerous mattresses. Facebook ads yeah. for purple. And, yeah. The internet just wants you guys to go to sleep. Just I mean, take a break. Uh, by the way, I do want a new mattress. Relax. So, uh, yeah. If somebody out there can help make that happen. Like, since we sort of manifested the headphones, I think, uh, which haven't arrived yet or else we would be talking about how great they sound. But um, Or don't. We will be honest about it. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it's possible they're not going to be good. I doubt they won't be good. I very much doubt that, too. Um, wait, we were talking about... Oh, yeah. The, uh, the, the wipes. So, bidet. 
it was actually fine. It sucked a little bit because when people would visit and you have to like explain why you have this like Star Trek looking toilet seat, people think it's weird, which it shouldn't be weird to wipe your, to clean your ass. But um, then I moved here and the water pressure was so great that even when you just barely move that thing, it's like, ah, it's, it's an experience. It's an experience. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's something. So I just, I took it apart. If you want it, if anybody wants a bidet, it's sitting in my closet now. It's been cleaned. Um, That's fair. But no, I get the logic of wanting to have a cleaner, like, is it Prashanth Fankataramanajam who has that bit about, like, how crazy it is coming to, you know, people who mock cultures that do more than just wipe their ass with dry paper? He's oh, like, yeah. What the, f- why, would dry, why would dry paper ever be the solution? Like, if you Wait, got like, if you dog stepped, shit on your shoe, yeah. you? and then I saw uh, uh, Hassan Minaj doing that on Patriot Act, and yes. I was like, oh, it's like Prashanth. He's writing Prashanth for the show, right? The yes. Show. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. That's so, yeah, where I saw it. It is crazy that we use toilet paper, but, like, it's also bad to clog up our... Systems with the wipes. I don't know what the solution is. It's like there's no perfect way to do anything, so we might as well just ruin everything the most. Mm-hmm. Um, well, also, wipes that escape these filters and get manage to get past the water treatment firms ah. catching devices then have a greater environmental impact because they end up in rivers and on beaches. They contain tiny plastic fibers which go on to harm fish and other marine life as the fibers are released and ingested. <sighs> so... Yeah, and then they might if if you ingest if you ingest those fish, then you're ingesting then you're ingesting your own poop plastic. Yeah, as opposed to your own poop other yeah. stuff, which yeah. is what you everyone Just, is actually yeah, ingesting. Nat- it's your own of- <laughs> natural poop. Also, be be vegan. Don't eat fish. Every one of us is slightly eating I mean, a bit oh, of Napoleon shit. I mean, you're not still eating shit if you're eating plants. What do you think they, they eat? The plants eat no, shit. No, they don't eat shit. Every potato has a bit of Napoleon's shit in it. <laughs> no, Napoleon's final shit. Yeah. Is that is that the breath thing? That it's the breath thing. Or piss, of, both of them. Like, both uh, of... every, Pretty much every breath you take has at least one molecule from Napoleon's final breath, and every glass of water you drink has some of his final piss. I, because of the... The ratio of molecules to lungfuls is the same as lungfuls to... It's great. Yeah, it's so much greater than the ratio of lungfuls to the atmosphere. And, and also the ratio, again, same as, like the amount more of molecules there are in a single glass of water compared to glasses of water there are in the ocean. Which is which is a bonkers statistic when you think about and it. And it's still are we just repeating an old wives tale or is it definitely or, or just I let me I'm I'm almost certain that is because I remember seeing the numbers a while ago. Let's check. Um, I uh I talked I have a joke that's similar to this concept, uh about how Beto like the the odds are that everybody alive has one atom of Beethoven inside of us mm-hmm. yeah uh, and I ran a, I have a, a friend who's a physicist uh, physics teacher uh, professor at Harvard and uh, he he explained to me it, something that I'm sure that I'm going to do a bad job of getting across because I don't have uh, a physics degree but he said that like statistically mathematically he understand he's like I understand why they are like presenting that as like to let you know like the scope of you know the universe molecules humans etc but that you know from moment to moment like there's no actual way to track like a molecule or an atom it's you know it's about potentially percentages statistics because like even in yourself right now from moment to moment second to second like there are particles uh you know switching flipping in and out and there's no ah that let's let's follow that atom yeah right well that's an interesting question yeah when you get down to the atomic level and the and the particle level, there is yeah what your friend was saying there there is real there is actually no real sense of this specific atom is a thing it like that specific atom is not a constant thing at all throughout its existence or even from moment As from it, moment to moment yes. sorry meaning what I'm trying to wrap my head around what what you're meaning by that like, it 
it could be trading off electrons with something nearby and therefore not. Being well, but also electrons aren't even like what makes that individual. Like, yeah, it's you know like the way as you look as you go further through science in school, you get told. You get first told like, oh, electrons are They're things that orbit around like the atom, the like a pla- like a yeah, like a planet around the sun. And then you go, and then you learn actually, it's not one orbit; it's in these shells that have these clouds. yeah, p L- orbits, and and, and they, they look like that. And they, you know, some of them are, have this shape, and some of them like that. And then they go, actually, yeah, it's a, actually it's more of a quantum probability. Yeah, it jumps from one to the other where there's no actual, there's zero probability yeah. it could be between those two clouds, but it will be in one of them, and that's how I can get between. Yeah, them and and, and the, these equations just give the probability that it exists in this area at any given time, but also. Uh, we also now know that we can't know something's exact place and and speed at the same time and velocity at the same. It's like Buddhism, you know. It's like, oh, we're all one. Oh, we're actually zero. There's nobody. <laughs> it's like there's there's nothing. We're not made of anything. Yeah. There's no point to this. Why are we recording this podcast, guys? I mean, might as well. Got to do something or nothing. <laughs> sure, yeah. It's uh, Schrodinger's podcast. <laughs> if, if I you... press delete right now, this never even happened. It's true or false, and it's both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are somewhere between. Uh, three and six times ten to the twenty-three molecules of gas in every lungful of air. Wait, is remember six that number from six? That's Avogadro's number. number? Yeah. That is. So there's only one. There's only one mole of. Is between three and six. So between half a mole and a mole in a lungful. Yep. I right. thought a mole was a lot smaller of. of I don't know. Air. I don't know. Yeah. But um. Yeah, I thought, the, I thought it was. I thought it was smaller too. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, but either way, I, that's that's such a huge number that that's so many more than there are lungfuls of air in the atmosphere. Okay, so we're definitely getting some of getting it all. Caesar, some of Napoleon, some of uh, I don't know who else would be a cool person to have the last breath of Hitler, Einstein, Hitler. Sure, <laughs> yeah, you're probably equal parts Hitler and Einstein, so it's like sort of a bummer to breathe in, but also cool. <laughs> I mean, you know, they were they were both babies. They were both babies at one time, yeah. So. And if, if someone said you you have to kill one of these two babies because they're going to be... Well, you wouldn't know what Hitler is. If someone gave you the Hitler baby and the Einstein baby and was like... Well, you look at the hair. Okay, I guess you... Yeah, sure. Which one has the mustache? Yeah. <laughs> uh, which one is sticking out his tongue like that? Wait, yeah. didn't Einstein have a mustache? Am I crazy? Einstein did have a mustache, but it was a different one. Is this, is they it, had different is shapes of mustache. mustache. Yeah. Little known fact, they both had the same Hitler mustache as a baby, and it only... Einstein's grew out, yeah. and Hitler kept his quaffed... Yeah, there is some kind of lesson there in, like, kempt versus unkempt, isn't there? Oh, yeah. And just to be clear, oh, yeah. I mean, be unkempt <laughs> is the answer. And I just wanted to let everyone know that little known fact is so little known that it's actually not known. There's <laughs> okay. no knowledge to that small, fact. The smallest known fact in the universe. <laughs> the known. The, yeah, the littlest known fact. What is, do you guys know the, uh, the paradox of the lowest l- uninteresting number? Oh, um, is it kind of like the Barry number? I don't know. The Maybe. paradox of the, uh, the, the, the number that cannot... Is there a number that can't be written out in plain English using fewer than 150 oh. letters? No, that, I, this is a... I mean, it's, it's like that. Is, in is that this, it's, one is is this more the idea that any number that... The lowest uninteresting number is by definition therefore interesting. That's correct. Same as the Barry number. As soon as you get to that thing that can't be written out in English... In fewer than 150 letters, then you can just say, "Well, that's the very number," and now it can be written out as the very number. Ah, in yes. Fewer than, yeah. That's fun. That's I've decreed fun. That is yeah. fun. That is legally fun. Yeah, officially. Uh, I've I put in 10,000 hours of fun spotting. 
Uh, I've researched fun extensively so that you don't have to, and I've come back with a report from the committee. Um, what, what did you call yours again? The, it's the, the yours was the the lowest least interesting number, I believe, or the lowest uninteresting number. I think it's the same as the Barry. That okay, the Barry paradox is a self-referential paradox where the mm. smallest positive integer not definable in under sixty letters. Mm. Uh, Bertrand Russell was the first to discuss. That. I would also call it the Barry dox. Ah, make it even even smaller even number more of concise. letters. Yeah. So the way the way they test these wipes, by the way, is they. They put wipes into conical flasks full of water and rotate them on a shaking platform, which they believe mimics the turbulence of water conditions in a sewer. Using this technique, they found that none of the wipes marked as flushable, which are currently available for sale in the UK, passed the test. However, there is hope on the horizon. They also test new products still in development and have found some wipes that do break down, but none of those are yet available in the UK market. The manufacturers use a different, more vigorous test, which means that wipes break up more quickly. I don't know what this vigorous test is. They, some water industry ex- experts liken this to putting the wipes in a washing machine and said it didn't realistically reflect what happens in the sewers. You don't but know the that manufacturers means. insist their test is adequate. Well, what happens in the sewers stays in the sewers. <laughs> and you have is, to dig it out by hand. But we, we know for sure it's like a washing machine. That's what we, when we see like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, we're like, they're just basically living in a washing machine, right? A, a washing machine o- of shit. Always yeah. being like swirled around and that's how they got so good at being yeah, ninjas. There's never any like reference to how awful everything would smell in the world of TMNT. Or just like shit just falling yeah, on them while they're eating their pizza. A, a turd comes through the background of the scene. It's why they ordered so much pizza. To cover up the yeah, They're like, we can't need... cook in this environment. <laughs> it's impossible to keep a kitchen clean. Can you taste this? No, I can't. <laughs> I never thought about how shitty their world is. It just looked cool. Yeah. Or how when they're up on the surface ready to fight... No one's like <laughs> Oh man Spell Four massive oh Shit smelling That's how good Ninjas they are <laughs> That people are just like Well this seems normal <laughs> They can hide their scent Yeah They blend That's, in so well They have to pay attention To the wind A great deal <laughs> We're only ninjas When we're downwind Yeah if we're upwind We cease to be ninjas <laughs> The downwind ninjas Downwind ninjas Is a good name For something Oh yeah Is it a band or? Downwind ninjas Yeah Band of shitty smelling ninjas. I, <laughs> I would buy a downwind ninja T-shirt. By the way, in the UK, I think we might have discussed this several years ago on the show as well. God, we've talked about everything now. But in the UK, the show was called Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Really? Because someone in British TV censoring or whatever thought that ninjas were too violent. Oh. I, even, I, but they still got to have the, the weapons. They were hit, they were just called heroes, but they still had like ninja a sword. <laughs> they had ninja weapons, like, a katana, yeah. a bow, nunchucks. I I do like the idea. Like I've thought about, you know, obviously in uh, the shifting social climate we find ourselves in, things that we might have once said in a cavalier fashion, being like, oh yeah, why don't why not say this thing? Uh, you know, the, a word from another culture that we don't know exactly what implications it has, and now the idea of you know appropriating and exploiting is a real one. Certainly certainly as colonial white supremacist, you know, people of our nations, both, uh, you know, the United States and the yuck, which is what I'm calling the UK now based on this new study. Uh, <laughs> but uh, like, so the idea of like, oh, ninja, that's not like, I don't know what that means, what it, you know, yeah. where does... Did we steal something that's yeah. culturally revered and turn it into... Uh, did you ever see the country cuckoo clock codpiece Zulu warriors mm. on Conan from the late 90s? No. It was sort of a parody of that. Uh, what it says right here, I, I want to I see this. I guess kids 
I have two things. <laughs> maybe it's visual. I mean, I uh, think it's also audio. There's, uh, I remember maybe a parody of it or so, its own thing that was called uh, Adolescent Radioactive Black Belt Hamsters. Oh, okay. And then also, do you guys know Noah Garfinkel? Yes. Yes. He's a Not comedian who's very funny. And I saw, I think I, it was him who I saw post a photo of the, I think, I want to say president of Russia as a as an adolescent and it was like a, a yearbook photo it appeared to be mm-hmm. and it, so he was like in this like uh, in a certain shape I'm trying to do it without revealing that it said uh, underneath it he wrote teenage Putin in a circle <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's really good it it really uh, struck me in the in funny bone area in the eighty-three percent of you, oh yeah, that appreciates that. I mean, I think it got all of me. I think it. I think it transcends. <laughs> nice. Have we gotten this because? Of, oh yeah, sewers shit. Yeah. Do you want to do a, a less toilet-based? Sure. Story. About, I'd like to see you try. A more psychedelic-based story. Ooh yeah. A more what-based? More psychedelic story. Ah, why not? Sure. We haven't talked about this since Shane's episode. Sure. Although mushrooms are, if I believe we're about to talk about them, are things that grow shit in shit. related. Oh, it's true. There's a, there's a, a nice segue. Theme. Is there ever an episode that can't be related to shit that we do? There's always something. There's always, there's there's always a level of shittiness something. to the podcast that's constant. Uh, Justin Broad sent in this article about the fact that psychedelic mushrooms are closer to medical, to medicinal use. Researchers from Johns Hopkins have recommended that psilocybin, the active compound in hallucinogenic mushrooms, be reclassified for medical use, potentially paving the way for the psychedelic drug to one day treat depression and anxiety and help people to stop smoking. The suggestion to reclassify psilocybin from a Schedule 1 drug with no known medical benefit to a Schedule 4 drug, which is akin to prescription sleeping pills, was part of a review to assess the safety and abuse of medically administered psilocybin. Uh, Before the FDA can be petitioned to reclassify the drug, though, it has to clear extensive study and trials, which can take more than five years. Um, But... Time is meaningless, so... <laughs> Time is a, is a we construct. Sh- we're basically all set. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, for, I, for some reason, I thought we were already... This is a story from just a month ago, so I guess this is news, but I thought this was something that was already already underway. Science moves slowly. It co- sort of does. Um, yeah, well, that's, that is the sort of... The, we, are, we are a topical science podcast. We cover the <laughs> stories that are just breaking because Up. they've been published after four to five years of research. Up to the minute, day, <laughs> month, year, and century. Mm-hmm. It is. It's- uh, that's great. That's good news. I am. I mean, I I understand. Do you know? Do you know this thing? This philosophical thing that I, I forget who's uh, who presented this initially, but I, I meant to look it up earlier today about like three people who are like touching an elephant different parts of the elephant like one person is touching like some of like the loose skin somewhere and one of them maybe is touching a different like part of the body blind people right? or blindfolded oh, people right? and then yeah and then somebody else is touching like the tusk and so they're all describing what they're feeling and it's all completely different and but they're all like it's all an elephant like that's what we're all in the universe like you know we're all experiencing you know the the flavors and sights and sound all the senses through our own filter which we can hope and assume you know maybe similar to the people who are raised in our culture or certainly in our family, but who obviously, you know, who knows 
anything, but certainly there are people who are experiencing uh, different circumstances. So I, when I say, this is all to say, I'm like, I've had positive experiences on mushrooms. I've had also difficult, challenging experiences that I all thought were also ultimately potentially productive. And I've heard, we've, I think we've all heard like anecdotes of but probably it seems like mostly propaganda about like neg- I feel even Shane has a story about like taking he's like I did acid once and then I drove my car and that was no good I'm like yeah don't do that like don't <laughs> don't do that with sleeping pills don't, there's a lot right, of things right, right, right. to it's good to have the proper obviously set and setting yes uh, but I'm glad that they are like slowly making progress right right and even this article warns that uh, it's not a panacea for everyone and uh, there should be strict controls on its use there are areas of risk too for patients with psychotic disorders. And anyone who takes hydros doses of the drug, which sort of covers what we talked about with Shane the last time he was on, after he was doing it nonstop for like two weeks, ended up institutionalized. So don't, like anything, don't go overboard, but it would be interesting if this got a little bit less stigmatized. Uh, the article also talks about the fact that there is uh, increased use, or rather they're, they're seeing a demographic shift, particularly among women, said uh, Matthew Johnson, who is a associate professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Johns Hopkins. He said among the research he's conducted, they've had more females in their studies, which uh, is probably that. a good thing to have both genders be oh, represented in studies. Or two of all the genders. Sure. Oh, uh, yes, yes. I'm sorry. Um, also, it, it, Matthew Johnson, who's the what, one of the studies authors, also talks about how microdosing is on the increase, which is the use of psychedelics in small managed doses to increase, supposedly increase productivity and creative thinking. Very popular, particularly amongst Silicon Valley types. Oh, yeah. But I don't know if much research has been done into whether that works or if it's all psychosomatic, placebo. I mean, I have had... Can you even call it psychosomatic when it's already with psychedelics? I don't know. Psycho-psychosomatic. It's in your head. Well, yes, it's in my head. That's the whole point, yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's... I had had something and it's gone. But that's okay. Uh, And he also, uh, Dr. Johnson, also volunteered in the Bad Trip Tent in 2005's Burning Man. Huh. Which has a name. I don't know why they don't use the actual name. What is it? I forgot what it is, but it has a name. <laughs> it's not just called the Bad Trip Tent? No, it's called... God damn it. Um, it's something a little punny, I think. Oh, I mean, it makes sense to call it that because, you know, in, in those moments, you might want something that's pretty explicit. Yeah, like, rather than having to decipher some wordplay. Uh, oh, Zendo, God, a riddle. A no, yeah. it's just called Zendo. I gotcha. Yeah. I guess it's got Zen in it, but it's not really a pun. Yeah, just... do Zen, you know? Do that Do Zen, zen by zen the dozen. Do. Zen does as, as Zen Come is. to Xanadu, yeah. Oh, it is sort of Xanadu-y. If you'd like. Uh, yeah, I, I like that they're like, yeah, it's not, it's not for, it won't fix everything for everyone. Like, I mean, which is the case for... Everything. Like, a- any drug, certainly. Like, if you, you know, if you have ADD, then Adderall might help you. If you don't have ADD, then Adderall might do a completely different thing for you or to you. So Yeah, I, that's an interesting one. Like, how is that... I don't get how something that seems like it's a stimulant gets people. Uh, yeah. I mean, as I understand it, which is very little, like it is, you know, it interacts differently. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if the light's on and you hit a switch, then it goes off. If the light's off and you hit a switch, it goes on. It's just like, you know, switch it up. It just switches up whatever you uh, Okay. Maybe. I'm, I'm just to be clear. This is speculative. No scientists. This is probably yeah. science um, on this stuff. Yeah, it's cool. There are people, it's called paradoxical reaction or paradoxical response. A paradoxical effect, so that, which is an effect of medical treatment, usually a drug opposite to the effect which would normally be expected. An example is pain caused by pain relief medication. Hmm. Uh, paradoxical res- drowsiness can occur as a response to amphetamines or other stimulants in some adults. 
and uh, there are also things like um, in antibiotics there's what's called the eagle effect named after H. Eagle who first described it which is uh, an, opposite, an increase in survivors of microbes to antimicrobial agents. So initially when an antibiotic agent is added to a culture media the number of bacteria that survives drops as you'd expect but after increasing the concentration beyond a certain point, the number of bacteria that survive paradoxically increases. Because they're so strong? I think so, Because yeah. they're the ones that are like, you can't get me, back, yeah. and they, they reproduce. Um, I don't, don't know how it works. Yeah, there's a whole Where lot of I? different possible things that can have paradoxical responses. And antidepressants, unsurprisingly. Um, antipsychotics. Things like uh, chloropromazine, which is an antipsychotic and antiemetic drug which is classed as a major tranquilizer, may cause things like agitation, excitement, insomnia, bizarre dreams, and aggravation of psychotic symptoms in some people. What about vaccines? I feel like sometimes, you know, you give yourself a little bit of the disease, and that, you know, could in the past give you lots of the disease, or it could give you none of the disease. I'm not sure sure if that's the same case, because that's a different... It's a... that, That is, like, an intentional paradoxical response. You're sort of... You're triggering the opposite of that response. Yeah. And also... I think a lot of times when people feel ill after a vaccine, it's for uh, people misinterpret illnesses after vaccines. So sometimes it's just coincidental. Yeah. And also at other times, there are things like uh, the flu shot and certain other vaccines can briefly marginally lower across the board your immune system. And therefore you Some are other things yeah so for example i think it, it's a not uncommon thing for you to be more prone to catching a cold in a few days in a few days following getting a flu shot so you get your flu shot and then you have and then you get a, a cold which is mild flu symptoms it isn't but it is it can be interpreted as mild flu symptoms and therefore in your head you go shit this flu shot gave, gave me the me flu, flu when actually it just it's- gave you you it made you slightly more likely to get a cold, which you then got. But also then protects you from... From the flu, which is much more serious. I've had flu mm-hmm. once in my life. and, and you, Only that, once in I, Only life. once have I had proper flu. and I, But I just remember that being like, oh, oh, now I know why people get grumpy when you have a bad cold and you go, I think I've got the flu. And they're like, you fucking <laughs> haven't because yeah. you're able like, to say that yeah. to me right now. It's you, like porn or art. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll <laughs> you know it when you see it. it. Yeah. <laughs> or love. Uh, oh, porn art or love P-A-L <laughs> My pal um, I make it all be more dangerous to the elderly Yeah uh, The idea of like I've thought about mind altering substances Like as the You know sort of the, the phrase that people use For things like you know psychedelics Or mm-hmm. drugs in general But it's such a an Interesting the idea that the mind is Like a thing And that's like static Like a rump Like a British person's rump Sure uh, Like if the mind is like sat- Oh and now I put in this thing And now it's altered But like it your your mind is like constantly, you know, yeah. in flux. Like when you're hungry, you eat food, and that alters the state of your mind from hungry to not hungry. You well, sleep, and that well, alters it. This is a it. Hu- this is a pr- huge problem with, and I don't even know what the status is now of this law. But uh, about two years ago, and we discussed it quite a bit on the show. There was one of the the scientists whose name I'm now blanking on. will come back to me in a second. Who was in charge of the British, the the UK consultation on drugs? Who was a scientist, and they 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 were trying to change the law. And he resigned in the end because he because he put or he was I can't remember that he jumped up. I'm getting the story all wrong, but the UK tried to bring in a new law that the intention of which was to catch, stop having to play catch up with designer drugs 
because they the law was sort of playing whack-a-mole where they would define oh, yeah. they would define a drug and go like this is now illegal and people would slightly change it and bring out something slightly different and then they'd have to catch up with this. So they brought out a law that said mind-altering substances effectively are ah. now illegal. But it was pointed out by many experts, and they had to then write exceptions caffeine. into the rule. They go like, yeah. "Oh, yeah, exactly. Except for caffeine or alcohol or any food, or you know." Then people pointed out, "Oh, um, Nutter, I think Professor Nutter Nuttall. I'm, That's a fun name. Uh, Professor's Nutter and Butter. Yeah. Um, Meditation. None of that. Right. Uh, sleeping." Yeah. Oh, Professor Nuts. There we go. It's Professor Nuts because he he in one of one of his papers, for example, pointed out that ecstasy is less dangerous than horse riding. Oh, which is that makes sense though. Very much the case. Yeah, yes. and and just you know he was he was arguing for let's ecstasy to horses. Let, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but let's have a drug laws that are based in evidence and fact rather than conjecture and fear and gut feeling. So that guy was fired. <laughs> so he was pushed out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, it was pointed out by him and many other people that the new definition of these laws would also cover things like smelling perfume, uh-huh. which <laughs> is is mind altering, yeah. uh, or just smelling any any scent. It absolutely alters your mind. Listening to music, Exercise, any yeah. in order to determine the definition of it, they're like, okay, so what is a mind? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You you well, love to see that. <laughs> once you're defining laws that get into sort of metaphysical debate. Just like uh, college dorm talk at Parliament, yeah. Yeah, like the paper started with, have you ever really looked at your yeah. hand? <laughs> what if what you call green, what I call green? <laughs> exactly. When I was in college, I went to the uh, health center at one point, and there was like some flyers that, there was like some, I, I, I think it was at some point like anti-drug propaganda, because it was like, you know, when you get illegal drugs, like you don't know what's in them. You don't know. And I was like, well, isn't that an argument for knowing what's in them? Like, isn't <laughs> legal? If they were legal, then we could, you know, have scientists and nutritionists. Yes. Uh, and like actively like, oh, this is what's in this one. And that will have this effect on it, uh, on your body. There's, and- there's a lot of laws that almost all of the laws that involve moralizing in the public. Same with laws about sex work as well, where. It comes down to like, this is dangerous because these women are marginalized, so therefore it's dangerous. And you go, well, what if you were to stop marginalizing them as a state? What and if therefore- we eliminate them completely? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That what is, if you just tell yeah. me what's in them? Right. <laughs> <I> mean, exactly. <laughs> no, we don't want anything in them. That's, <laughs> That's- uh, Yeah, so exactly. It, Sorry it, to it, interrupt. No, it, yeah. it's, it, he also said in the same paper, that alcohol is more harmful than heroin, which was a calculation based on the har- harm to society of those respective drugs, yeah, which sense. again, absolutely true statement, but it's that thing that the the state does where they go, we are going to commission a scientific study that we will then only respond to if it supports our predetermined way of viewing the world. I mean, it's like, you know, right now, politically, there are recounts going on, and I'm like, I'm glad. I'm glad for votes to be counted. I hope they end up one way, but I don't want to hide them if yeah. they're the other, you know, if that, they're the way that's not my favorite. That's what I want to make sure I'm thinking when I when I think about that stuff. I was like, wait, am I only hoping this happens because I want the recount to say, like, no, I, I think it's true that I actually like the idea of every vote being counted, even if it means all these things go the opposite way that I want it, because then... Whenever this yeah. happens in the future, we ha- will have uh, a moral leg to stand on by saying, no, we've always advocated for all votes being counted. It's like, just yeah, good. Count the yeah. votes. I, I, would, I would like 100% voter turnout, even if that does include People who um, don't crazy racists yeah. who live in bunkers in the middle of Wyoming or whatever. I, I still want every one of those votes to be counted. And then as, yeah. as much as possible, the person who most 
chimes with all of the voters gets to sit in the parliament or congress or whatever did you guys hear about that Broward County thing where they missed the cutoff by three minutes after working for like a three-day weekend nonstop to recount hundreds of thousands of votes? What? So they threw away the entire recount because they were three minutes late. The that, Secretary of State in Florida was that, like, no. Are you serious? I didn't. I missed that. They didn't throw away the votes as in the first, but they threw the recount was not counted. So everyone just worked nonstop this whole But weekend. also that recount probably... I'm sure it favored... I'm sure it went blue because, yeah, Broward County is um, more urban, but... Huh. Um, Yep, so much for that shit, because three minutes, that's a great <sighs> implementation of the law, folks. Yeah, and exactly, when they're like, because that, that three minutes makes their votes not valid, or yeah. not the legitimate will of those people to elect mm. that person. I saw a thing, I, I, I've never been able to refine this, so I, but I'm, I'm sure that I didn't make it up, but I saw like, I think it was like a British study from years ago, like I don't know, 10, 20 years ago, uh, which calculated the like certain different substances and like how damaging they were like how how much it took of them to get you high versus how uh how much further it would take to overdose mm-hmm. so like the like mushrooms pot and lsd were like you need a, a very a safe amount will get you high and then specific obviously like you know if you wander into traffic other things but like in under controlled circumstances like those things aren't going to kill you anywhere near the dose that you need to get high. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, heroin, the dose that gets you high, uh, a little more, you know, a, cert- a much smaller amount more, like, will potentially kill you. The sec- And alcohol and, like, cocaine were, like, in the middle. Obviously, alcohol causes other difficulties, challenges, but and if problems. You're, you're if you're just in a locked room with just the substance. Yeah. A- alcohol's, like, yeah. halfway through is what I remember. And the second most dangerous substance, uh, right after, uh, right before Should heroin, if, if you'd like, it's a, it's a legal thing to ingest is, is, my, is there is there a way to overdose on caffeine uh it's not caffeine is not the answer no. i don't i don't remember any of the others all i remember is it sh- salt uh it's a thing like salt sugar uh you're getting closer ooh, 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 ooh. um honey carbs and just to be clear <laughs> it, it gets you high if you ingest a lot of it which is maybe this is an unknown Nut- idea nutmeg nutmeg is correct <laughs> oh really nutmeg yes. will kill you uh, nutmeg, yeah. After it'll, you need a lot of it to get you high, and then a little more can overdose you. I never, because that's one of those things we heard about in college, and no one ever had the balls or interest to try. It was like I, I think I remember at school someone shelf, smoking someone nutmeg and, oh, and oh, was it smoke? I thought you had to ingest it. I think it's snorting or oh, or snorting or, or oh. maybe it's eating. It's it, it could be eating. It's probably eating. You can sort it, but don't. But don't never, do any of I've this. I've never talked to anybody. Yeah, we're not advocating for this. Don't do it. Uh, but I've never even met someone who's done it. No. But it, it was a thing that a bunch of us talked about and would sometimes stare up at the shelf and be like, someone's going to do it someday. And, and no one. Little known fact, uh, it's actually called nutmeg because if you take enough of it, it gets you mega nuts. <laughs> so little known that I just made it up. That's one of the least known facts. Oh, yeah. yeah. This episode is chock full of little known facts. <laughs> oh yeah, I like to tell the truth, the whole truth, and also things other than the truth. <laughs> things, things in addition, the set of things that I say includes the truth. Oh, it definitely. <laughs> it's almost impossible to not <laughs> try to have have everything not be the truth. Like what? Pretty much impossible. Oh, it's yeah. I mean, even like the, just the the presuppositions of saying like I, you know, pres- okay, well, there's a there's a me, you know. That is true. Or is it? Is the self an illusion? A, a fair point. Yeah, yeah, I guess everything could be a lie. Never mind. Nothing <laughs> set of truth is not uh, overlapping with what you're saying right now. I like the idea that this episode particularly is probably causing car crashes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because everyone's on nutmeg. Yeah. yeah. They heard me Every, recommend it. Please pull over. Yeah, don't do, don't, don't nut do your drive. nutmeg safely. If yeah. you're going to, do it in the house. Yes. <laughs> we're, entering that, the, we're entering the holiday season when nutmeg is at its highest. That is true. They say the day <laughs> after Thanksgiving. So everyone's home for the holidays. They're reconnecting with friends. The real name of Black Friday comes from <laughs> the, the nutmeg, the, the nutmeg tragedies. So do not make under control. So parents, like, it was cool in high school. There was always that one cool mom who would, like, let everyone do not make as long as they stayed over oh, yeah. at the kid's house. It's like, they just don't want you driving. Yeah. She was known as Nutmeg. That was, her name was Megan. That's right. She was, she was nutty. It was Nut Margaret. <laughs> not near enough. Yeah. Nut Peg. Yeah. Peg is short for Margaret, right? That's one of those ones that makes no sense. That's correct. Like uh, Hank and Henry and uh, Hank. Hank and Henry makes more sense than Peg. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where'd th- where'd that P come from? William and Bill. Where'd the B come from? Yeah, makes no sense. Robert um, and Bob. Oh yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. I guess that B just came from later. They're like Let's- Rich, Richard and Dick. Where does that? How did that happen? No, no, that makes no sense. How did that happen? Um, Elizabeth can be everything. Ooh. Oh yeah. Also, just uh, to not go too far from Richard and Dick, I think it's that. The first Richard that was called Dick was being a dick. Uh, and they're like, hey, Dick. Hey, what would you call me? It's, oh, a, it, it's a nickname it's, for it. It's short for Richard. How Common, should you, you not know that? You know that? <laughs> it's yeah. your own name. Everyone named Richard. Oh, I guess I did. The... <laughs> okay, it was a fucking dick. Um, Do you want to get into, we have a story that I feel like maybe this merits uh, a probably follow-up more than us getting into it. Is this the Lego story? Yeah. And, and you know, this is another case of like, when governments commission studies and hope they get the right results back, we, I like, you know, my personal attachment to the Lego story is a happy one and I don't want it to be proven false. But at the same time, if there's legitimate criticism of it, it would be interesting to talk about. Maybe not today. Basically, there are doubts uh, as to whether the data analysis that was done on what LIGO detected, the gravitational wave observatory, um, there are some people that say that that they haven't actually proven that these signals aren't just noise and that there are tons of different ways to look at this data and and they're accusing the people of sort of projecting like like using these models to analyze the data that presuppose that you know that's like they're looking for the thing they're going to make themselves find it because they're mm-hmm. looking for this signal not as not they weren't just like blindly looking at the whole set of data and then saying, oh, from this, anybody would surmise this is a signal. Um, well, I'm just hearing about it now, so if you show me the data, I'll come at it with a clean right. read. So, yeah, I think it, it would be interesting to try to get um, people we've talked with in the past from LIGO to give their opinion on it. I'm, I'm, it sounds like from this article, they have been contacted, and they're just like, no, you guys are analyzing it wrong. So it's 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 a thing that we aren't anywhere near expert enough to have a strong opinion on. But evidently, the data itself is not that huge, like the set of data could be printed out on, on one DVD. It's like on the order of a few gigabytes. So um, this story John Kelly sent that's a new scientist just advocates for more people to have a swing at the data. People with data analysis exp- expertise, not just like, you know, civilians being like, uh, sure, this looks like a signal to me. But um, yeah, let's 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 do this as a follow up. I'd like to do this as a follow up. Yeah, hopefully it's not a thing that they're just like instantly rolling their eyes at like no we've disproven this why do we have to even go down this road yeah. but um but we have friends we have lego friends yeah so i think we will do some digging on this see if we're gonna be the ones to crack this yeah let's get to the bottom of this somebody's yeah. gotta it would suck if if it d- did come out as false but that's also how science is supposed to work you're not supposed to care if something would suck if it was disproven it's yeah. supposed to be about the evidence so when um hey you know you know what has got to the bottom of a thing what's that 
the impact crater that has been discovered under the Greenland ice sheet. Oh. You know what has gotten to the bottom of a thing? Could be the start of any of the stories that it we've has. done. Mm-hmm. The, the wet wipes. Yeah. This is very... T- oh, yeah. Uh, this is Jamie D on Twitter. Okay. Tweeted this at us. A huge impact crater has been discovered under half-mile-thick Greenland ice sheet. Mm. The enormous bowl-shaped dent appears to be the result of a mile-wide iron meteorite slamming into the island at a speed of 12 miles per second as recently as 12,000 years ago. So it was a near miss on our part. Oh, wow. That recently? That recently, a yeah. A mile-wide? What, I thought that was what were you doing would... 12,000 years ago? Oh, uh, what time? Oh, uh, you know what? I don't think they're able to pin yeah, it down to the specific uh, time of day uh, yet. Then I, that I don't know for sure. I might have been asleep. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think this would have woken you up. Uh, oh. Yeah, they say it was. It, it released 47 times the energy of the little boy nuclear bomb dropped on Hiroshima. Oh. 47 million times. What did I say? 47 times? I don't, 47 you... million times. I'm sorry. I might have missed the M. Yeah, it's a lot more. 47 million times the Hiroshima bomb. Yeah. So it would have, yeah, it would have really fucked shit up, according to this Guardian article. Um, uh, who who was around? Where what? Where was it? This was thousand years ago. Modern humans existed, right? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, it, it would have melted vast amounts of ice, sending fresh water rushing into the oceans and blasting rocky debris high into the atmosphere. One of my favorite Beatles songs, "Rocky, rocky Debris." debris. Yeah. Uh, Slammed at, into Greenland. Yeah. It didn't rhyme, but yeah. at, we're working on it. Yeah. At nineteen point three miles wide, the crater ranks among the 12, 25 largest known on Earth, and is found the first to be found beneath an ice sheet. That's nice. Yeah. He made one of those year-end lists. Yeah, vultures. Twenty-five craters to watch, to watch out, out for. for. <laughs> watch out for this crater, yeah, yeah. or you'll fall into it. Um, you have to go back 40 million years to find crater of the same size. This is a rare occurrence in Earth's history, says Kurt. Easy for you to say. Yeah. How would you pronounce this 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 Danish name, this last name? Oh, it's- K-J and then an A and an E, like in the Aeneid, tied together, and then R. I would say Kjær. Kjær. Yeah. I would say that, and I have no confidence that in how accurate. Like Kjær. Kjær. I think we have some Danish listeners. Maybe you can help out on that one. But... That's that's what Kurt says. Here, scientists first suspected a crater in 2015 when they spotted a huge depression in NASA radar images of the bedrock beneath the Hiawatha Gala- uh, Glacier in northwest Greenland. Chia, who passes a 20-ton meteorite to reach his office every day, hmm, wondered if such a space <laughs> rock might be the culprit. It all snow. I'd love it if that's suddenly how he got the idea. He just like walks past this meteor every day. I was like, I wonder if this massive hole in the earth came from one of these things one that I walk past I all the time. By. I also don't know why there isn't a picture of that thing. I it like that he's tease. calling it the culprit also. Yeah. We've tried- assume some agency on the part of the asteroid? Or good, good scientist, bad scientist. Okay, so where were you on the night of 12,000 years ago? <laughs> All right, so you weren't slamming into anything. Okay. Sure. Okay. What a likely story. Yeah, I might have slammed into things in the past, but I'm, I'm on the straight and narrow now. I'm not, I'm not just banging around. All right, I'm just laying the facts out here. Yesterday you were in space. Today you're on the Earth. Right now there's a 20-mile crater right where you landed. Hey, uh, I'm nobody over- saw nothing. I'm hey. over here. I'm not over there. <laughs> I, if I hit there, I'd just be there. There's actually a crater under me right now. Well, that's a different case we're investigating. Yeah, there's also that problem of the crater you're sitting Cereal in. Serial crater industry. Yeah. Industry? I made a mistake. Serial crater industrial complex? Yeah, <laughs> I, that, that's better. I don't know what that even means. So it just so happened <sighs> that researchers at the, at, at the Alfred Weg, Wegener... 
Institute in Germany were about to test a powerful new ice-penetrating radar system that was operated from the air. That's in, some supervillain shit. It is. In May 2016, the scientists flew over the Hiawatha Glacier and used the radar to map the underlying rock in unparalleled details. The images revealed all the hallmarks of an impact crater. It became very clear that this was a circular feature with a rim around it and an elevated central region. The basin itself was more than 300 meters deep. To search for solid proof of the impact, the researchers flew out there and collected specimens that had washed from the crater, crater to the nearby floodplain. Among the gathered grains, scientists found particles of shocked quartz and other materials that are typically produced by the violence of an extraterrestrial impact. Geochemical tests of the grain suggest the meteorite was made of iron. So far, it's been impossible to put a firm age on the crater, but its conditions suggest it formed after ice began to cover Greenland about 3 million years ago, but the crater may have formed much more recently. The radar images show that while the surface layers of the glacier immediately above the crater look normal, Deeper layers that are older than 12,000 years are badly deformed and strewn with rocks, with some lumps as big as trucks. Oh, shit. Lumps like a truck? <laughs> yeah, so, so they... When, what happened is the $64,000 question, says McGregor. For a final answer, the researchers will need to drill through half a mile of ice and collect crater material for dating, or wait for rocks from the impact basin to be brought to the surface as the glacier flows to the sea. Either way, scientists have a weight on their hands. So they've got to get some crater data, weighted data. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get a way to weigh this crater data, weighted data. I, some of that definitely makes sense. I think it's that's probably science. That's legitimately. Thank you. <laughs> um, what was I going to ask about this? I want to hear more about just what they would have, what they think would have happened on the planet after a, a mile, mile wide crater hits, mile wide asteroid hits. Like that's more interesting to me is like uh, how how big do they have to get before it's like nuclear winter for months and mass extinction kind of shit and not that big I mean not that size a different See, size I thought that was like the kind of size that like what do they estimate the size of the one that that knocked Made out the, the dinosaurs, dinosaurs. Yeah. yeah it must have been a lot bigger than that but I just thought or hit in the right place seven million it's not the size of the wave yeah right it's where on earth the extinction event occurred. Lumps like truck. Oh, uh, I don't know what I was going to say. I, f- I thought of what the Rump Shaker song is. Paper Planes, MIA. Oh, okay. All I want to do is... Psh, 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 and a sh, sh. Oh. Take your money. All oh. I want to do is zoom, 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 and a boom, boom. Just wow, I rump. never it's thought about that. Thing, yeah. Wow. I mean, I hadn't thought about it. It's like she samples the Clash for the beat, and then uh, Rex and Effects for the actual... The, the whole thing is just a ripoff. I'm calling you out from 10 years ago, MIA. You heard it. Man, that call-out has been MIA for 10 years. <laughs> uh, do we have time for one more, you think, Matt? I reckon we can squeeze out one more story. What do you like? Do you like the um, uh, the frog legs being regrown? Yeah, let's do some frog sure. legs. Who doesn't like talking about frogs? another justice story. In, in general. I'm, uh, I'm happy for, I'm, uh, for animals to be, like, I'm, I'm anti-animal cruelty. I'm glad to hear about... The opposite of cruelty. Yeah. yeah, this sounds kind to the frogs regrowing legs, mm-hmm. un- unless they are removing them, so yeah, they can. They probably are at first. Yeah, Fair. I doubt they find like veteran frogs or something. <laughs> that's frogs all that I... have been in car crashes. Yeah, I don't think that's okay. All. Well, I'm then I'm okay. Let's, I'm neutral. You know, this could turn off some people. Uh, so yeah, millions, millions of people live with amputated limbs that are gone forever, but that might not be the case in the future. For the first time, scientists have shown that adult frogs can regrow amputated legs. They wow. say the approach can work in humans, too. 
Quote, there's no reason that human bodies can't regenerate, said Tufts University biologist Michael Levin, who led them to research. This is the first proof of principle of a roadmap for regenerative therapy in human medicine well beyond limbs, he added. Many problems from birth defects to traumatic injury, aging, and even cancer could be solved if we understood how to induce organs to regrow in place. A roadmap or a toad map? Please continue. (laughs) Um, Frogs are different than toads. So uh, Levin and his research team at Tufts University in Medford, Massachusetts, want to figure out how cells cooperate to build a complex three-dimensional organ and stop exactly when it's done. But first, the scientists needed to try to reproduce organ growth in animals that don't regenerate. Adult African clawed frogs, a common laboratory animal known in scientific circles uh, as Xenopus lavis, fit the bill. The amphibians are not normally regenerative, but have some tissue renewal capacity, just like humans do. We are hoping to show that adult Xenopus frogs are capable of limb regeneration and find a trigger that allows it to happen. The trigger the team found is progesterone, the sex hormone involved in the female menstrual cycle, pregnancy, and breastfeeding. The scientists applied the compound to frogs' amputated back legs with a wearable bioreactor device for 24 hours. Then they watched as the limbs regenerated. Frogs that, flogs, <laughs> frogs that did not receive the progesterone treatment developed cartilaginous, cartilaginous yeah, spikes at the amputation site, whereas ones that wore the hormone-delivering bioreactor for one day regrew a paddle-shaped appendage. Differences between the frogs were visible within a few weeks, uh, and within about six months, the regenerated limbs stopped growing, but the development had progressed to the point where, under typical growth, fingers and toes appear. That's pretty nuts. Uh, The regrown limbs had increased bone volume and density, bundles of well-organized nerve fibers and major blood vessels, all of which translated to frogs with regrown limbs that could move and swim with activity levels that were indistinguishable from frogs with intact legs. The research shows that spurring regeneration in vertebrate animals is possible and paves the way for work similar for similar work in mammals and eventually humans. We may be able to induce the body to do what it does best, build complex organs, like I said. But that's also probably why women who are on the pill are always growing extra legs. That's true. Now You can kind of tell that they're, yeah, yeah. When you see a three-legged girl, you're like, okay, that's that time. The time of the her life where she's on the pill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's having the time of her life. Uh, that is, wow. I mean... We all did grow legs at one point. Yeah, it's, why can't we do it again? I, I, even I, something about just our size as adults, I just can't picture it. I just keep picturing Deadpool, you know, when he gets shit blown off and then he has like a baby legs for a little while. And yeah, like I just can't picture it. But it doesn't mean it couldn't happen. It's just can well, you picture a leg coming out of like a severed femur and slowly becoming a full size leg? I mean, also they have. You probably talked about like when they grow like an, a human ear on like the back of a mouse. Do you guys know about that? I thought they didn't yes. grow it as much as they transplant. They grew it? Am I am I, I wrong? They transplanted it for some reason. Why would they do that? Yeah, they, uh, ear on a mouse, I know is a thing. I just forgot what the reason for it was. But. And so now we just need bigger we need a bigger mouse for to grow a leg. Oh, here's the where are they now thing in Newsweek. Exclusive. Whatever happened to the mouse with the ear on its back? Oh. Wow. So this is like they had it had its fifteen minutes of fame yeah. and then it died. Um, it does seem like it wouldn't be alive for that long. Just as mice, I, I assume their lifespans are shorter than ours. Yeah, um, let's see. The 20th anniversary of, of this was done in 97, and in 2017, they followed up, uh, interviewed some of the scientists behind it. How do you refer to this mouse? It's alternatively called the Vacanti mouse and the ear mouse. He said, I just say the mouse with the ear on its back. Uh, why did you put the ear on its back? In the 80s, uh, he was a pediatric surgeon, was trying to address the organ shortage, and he thought, well, why don't we do what human beings do when we need something? We design it and we make it. 
so he fashioned a scaffolding in the shape of a human ear. Okay, that's what it was. It wasn't like it formed that shape on its own. But it did. It was made of mouse. It was made of yeah, yeah. And let's see what happened to it. It didn't actually live after happily ever after, did it? He said, "Of course it did." The happy little mouse, the little mouse that was very pleased he could contribute in some way and make people's lives better. Oh, no. wow! This mouse was a happy scientist, and I won't hear any word yeah. against it. Do you guys remember? I think from like one of Patton Oswalt's earliest albums, talking about I think you know extending re- uh, people's reproductive lives beyond what would ordinarily, without scientific intervention. I think he was like, "Science, we're all about coulda." Not shoulda. <laughs> <laughs> and then doesn't he go into graphic detail about uh, what the, does an impression of what that birth at seven oh, years yeah. old would be? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I, I think I covered the important part. The part that doesn't need the key, needs to be, the yes. key bits. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where we don't discuss the key bits. <laughs> uh, hey, Mike. Yes, Matt. How can our listeners find you and everything you do? Oh, that's nice of you to ask. Uh, my name is Mike spelled M-Y-Q, Kaplan, spelled K-A-P-L-A-N. If you put that into the places where you can, the social media sites. My podcast is called Broccoli and Ice Cream. I discuss, oh, thank you so much, the work of people's lives as represented by broccoli, the joys of people's lives as represented by ice cream. I have a special on Amazon called Small, Dork, and Handsome and other albums that you can get where albums can be got. Excellent. So thank you for asking and seeking and live shows happen i perform at many places and you can go to them and they're usually posted on my website or i forget to do that very googleable mike kaplan oh yeah you can email me oh yeah i there are there are endless ways to track down mike i'm happy to respond um bay area listeners or nearby the bay area they have just brought out the san francisco sketch fest oh yeah festival names and we're amongst them we can now, we, we were holding on to this information, but we can now announce it. We are going to be doing Probably Science at Sketchfest on January the 26th. And I'll also be doing a stand-up show the following night on the 27th. I don't know whether we'll, either or both of us will end up jumping on another show too. That generally happens, but those are the biggies. So um, we'll be doing, we don't, we don't know who's going to be our guest or guests yet, but we will be working that out in the next couple of weeks, I think. If you happen to know an amazing scientist in the Bay Area and you think they should be on the show, let us know, because that would be very cool, uh, and we'll maybe sort that out. But yeah, come and see us. Come and see us, uh, and if tell your friends who live around there, we'll be doing Probably Science at Sketchfest. You can find that at, what is it, sfsketchfest.com? Com. Yes, that sounds we right. are uh, scheduled for 8 o'clock on Saturday, January 26th. Um, what's the venue? Cafe du Nord on Market Street. So there we go. Come along. That should be a fun show. And also, I'm going to be doing a couple of spots in Australia. I mentioned that last week. In December, I'm going to be at the Rhino Rooms Adelaide on the 8th, and I'm going to be doing some shows around Sydney and Melbourne as well, probably. I don't know whether I'm going to get up Queensland on this trip, but we're going to be doing that for sure in February with the whole podcast and the whole team. So Australians, we're coming towards you. We're going to make our way there. Uh, in general, you can find us online as well, probablyscience.com. You can find us on Twitter at probablyscience, Facebook slash probablyscience, probablyscience at gmail.com is the email address if you want to send us comments, stories to cover, questions, clarifications, or just say hello, or what, whatever you're feeling. Mm-hmm. We will be there at the end of that email. Uh, you can find us individually at Andy T. Wood and at Matt Kirshen, and you can find Mike at Mike Kaplan. It's true. Mike, yes. thanks so much for joining yeah. us. Thank you for, for listeners. 
enjoy the rest of your stay here in Los Angeles. Being joined by me. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. 